Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hayley Clark is the co-founder of Candle Exchange, a Sydney-based organization which is trying to reshape the candle industry quite literally by offering refills for their soy wax candles. In this episode, we talk all about how to choose a more sustainable candle, but also touching on the key principles of the circular economy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Haley. Now, Australians burn over 4 million candles a year, but what are the environmental and the health impacts of candles? Hi, Lottie. Thanks for having me today. So we'll break it down into the two different topics. So there is an environmental lens and then there's the health lens to candles. So let's talk about the environmental side to candles first. So what a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of candle containers are not recyclable. So I know in talking to many of our consumers, they believe that once they finish the candle, they can just put it in their recycling bin and it's gone and forgotten and it'll go through the correct processes and be uh, recycled and reused into something else. Well, unfortunately, that's not correct. Now, in essence, If you talk about glass, which is the majority of candle containers, in theory, they should be able to be recycled. But the issue with candle containers is that they use tempered glass and they have to use tempered glass because you're burning a flame within that glass environment. So that means that the glass has to be heat proof for that candle to be able to not crack in any way or get affected um, by the heat that's created by the candle. And because of that, it needs a special kind of recycling. And in Australia and in most parts of the world, there's not enough quantity of that particular type of glass to make it worthwhile for recycling plants to be set up to be able to manage that kind of tempered glass. So in Australia, for example, Tempered glass does end up in landfill because our recyclers are more focused on just using recycling for more of the fast-moving consumer goods that don't require tempered glass, such as wine bottles, olive oil bottles, etc. So that's sort of where we are at the moment. So that's why from an environmental perspective, candles are a challenge because they are not recyclable from that container perspective, which is the majority of the byproduct of what's left with the candle when it goes in the bin. So then you go into the health benefits uh, and the health concerns. Uh, That's at at all different types of levels. So you have the wax, for example, you have your fragrances as the other example, and then you have the wicks. They're the sort of three major categories of ingredients for candles, and all of them have some of their challenges. So if you take the wax, for example, which makes up majority of the materials within a candle, you have your uh, vegetable waxes, which is anything from soy wax to coconut wax to beeswax, even to palm wax. Now, some of those 
have their strengths and weaknesses. So for Candle Exchange, we very much anchor into the soy wax environment. And, and that's because a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it does burn very cleanly and we use 100% soy wax. So a majority of candle companies will use a blend, but for us, we use 100% soy wax. And for that, it doesn't have any challenges in regards to any toxicity that burns when you actually burn a soy wax. It's also from a consumer perspective, it burns longer and it holds fragrance very, very well. So it actually performs well, but it also has a lot of health benefits as well. And because it's a natural soy plant, if you source it from the right providers, it has limited risks on deforestation, etc. Then you have coconut wax, beautiful wax, but doesn't perform as well as a soy wax. And then, of course, you have beeswax that has its limitations as well in regards to the scarcity of beeswax. And so that means that the cost effectiveness of beeswax, it's a very, very expensive wax to burn. And then you have palm wax, which uh, we stay right away from and recommend people to stay away from due to deforestation and all the other issues that are going on with palm wax. I think it's a really interesting point there because when you're talking about a lot of these things, you're talking also about the performance. And I think with sustainability, what we're really trying to encourage and something that I know that you guys are really passionate about is not having to kind of, I don't know, not having to substitute or not having to have something that's of a lesser quality because it is sustainable. It's about keeping that premium quality and that great burn, as you just said, but also not damaging the environment too. So yes, let's keep going. Talk to me about the wicks. We'll talk about the synthetic waxes as well, because I think that's where a lot of the both environmental and health issues come into play. So the number one the synthetics wax that is used both in Australia and globally is what we call paraffin wax. Paraffin wax from an environmental perspective is extremely problematic because it is a byproduct of crude oil. And so crude oil goes through a de-waxing process and that wax that's left as a byproduct is then used to be able to create wax for candles. So that's from an environmental perspective. From a health perspective because it is a byproduct of crude oil it does have some levels of toxicity to it and so for us you know that's just not palatable and so yeah that's why um paraffin wax has a quite a bad reputation within the industry because of the environmental and the health uh, potential health issues that come with burning a paraffin wax candle within your home Gosh, I didn't even think about it because I know like I was thinking when you were talking about wicks and the canisters themselves and I didn't realise there were so many different types of wax because it's almost like we need to be looking on the back of all of the boxes of our candles or the bottom of them to see what the different, yeah, the wax that has been used in there. And because I know that there are a lot of cheap brands on the market and people kind of go, well, this is just a throwaway thing or it's a quick gift or it's something like that, but we're not really thinking about the detrimental impact to that person and the environment when we're giving it well and that's the thing like if you are buying a cheap candle majority of the time you are buying a paraffin wax because it is much cheaper than what you would buy a vegetable wax for also if a candle that you're buying says that it's a blend it might be a soy blend or a coconut blend there is a high chance that that blend is paraffin in australia 
candle companies are moving away from promoting any use of paraffin. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't use paraffin. It just means that they're not promoting the fact that they're using paraffin because of the negative press um, for good reason that paraffin wax gets. Interesting. And I feel like it's something that we need to be seeing more in the mainstream media and more having more of these conversations about it. But I just think, again, it's something that it's really out of sight, out of mind, which is great to hear that kind of it's something that is so such a core value for you at Candle Exchange and something that you're really focusing on. Very much so. We're all about trying to make our product as natural as possible. So talk to me about Wix because it's my understanding that you can kind of have from a very basic novice level. I've seen a lot of kind of, I don't know, a Wix made from some kind of material. I will assume it's cotton, but you'll probably prove me wrong. But also the bamboo or the wooden Wix. What am I missing? Okay, so so the Wix that we use, they're all natural. So they are based out of cotton and paper and They are becoming much more mainstream, which is very good. Previously, where the problems were with wicks is they were made out of lead. And also, if you're buying, once again, that cheaper option, then you're potentially buying a lead-based wick, which, of course, for obvious reasons, you want to stay away from. But there are a lot of natural wick options around these days. And as I said, from Kendall Exchange's perspective, it's all about cotton and paper and keeping that as natural as possible. Gosh, I just didn't even think lead in wicks. That's just ridiculous and just something that you wouldn't even fathom. But another thing that I also want, I feel like I'm just firing questions at you, but I I really wanted to talk about fragrance because I feel like it's this big, scary topic and something that we're often told to avoid any kind of synthetic fragrances. And even some people the other day were saying you shouldn't be burning essential oil fragrances, I was reading. So, Explain to me kind of why we should be considering using fragrances or why we shouldn't be. Okay, so fragrance, it is a very challenging topic. And the reason why it's challenging is because fragrance is a competitive advantage for a a particular organisation creating fragrances. So you've got to liken it to a fashion designer uh, not sharing their patents because it's their IP and it's their competitive advantage. It's the same as fragrances. So that's why you will not see a lot of communication around the makeup of a particular fragrance and ingredients of a particular fragrance because they do see it as a competitive advantage creating those different fragrances. So that's one element to it. Now, with fragrances, once again, you're dealing with an environmental lens and you're dealing with a health lens. So if we talk about the two major categories of fragrance, which are essential oils, which is taking natural products, uh, natural resources, such as plants, seeds, spices, trees, grasses, and distilling that in a whole lot of different ways to be able to extract the oil out of those essential oils, then that's where you get your pure essential oils. Now, they are beautiful, but from an environmental perspective, they do have their challenges. And the reason for that is because it requires so much of that particular resource or material from nature to be able to make essential oils. So you're dealing with... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Large quantities of a flower or trees or whatever to be able to get small amounts of essential oils. Now, if that essential oil is farmed correctly and you've got ways to be able to ensure that there's no deforestation occurring, then that's great. But there is a component of deforestation that has to be considered when you're looking at essential oils because of the large quantities that have to be farmed to be able to make it. Now, from health benefits, essential oils don't necessarily have any health challenges with it. If you are asthmatic or you do have allergies, then there are certain essential oils that you need to stay away from because they can cause and flare up any kind of allergies or asthma that you might have. So that's on the essential oil side. On the synthetic side, then you're also dealing with environmental challenges in regards to some synthetic oils are also made out of petrochemical ingredients. Now, that's not all synthetic oils. That's just a component of synthetic oils. And from Candle Exchange, they're the ones that we stay away from. Other synthetic oils are actually made from natural products that just aren't derived exactly from the essential oils. So they'll be chemicals based on trying to mimic a particular smell, but they are made from more natural products. So that's sort of the two different categories. The good thing to note is that all candle fragrances have to go through, if you're selling them commercially, have to go through the International Fragrance Association for approval to assure that they are not harmful for human consumption. And also there's been a lot of studies that have showed that because of the small amount of fragrances that are used within candles, then it doesn't release enough toxicity to be harmful for consumers. However, in saying that, we like to urge towards a blend of essential oils and natural synthetic oils for us here at Candle Exchange. We would like to use all essential oils, but because of the quantities that need to be made, there's also a huge cost prohibited to it. To make essential oils is extremely costly. And so, for example, a litre of jasmine would set you back over two to three thousand dollars so they just are not palatable for consumer spending wow i'm actually allergic to jasmine so i'm not mad about the price being so expensive if you don't have to use them in as many candle blends (laughs) but it is one of these things that i think that we don't really think about it i feel like it's been this whole 360 that we've started to see happen across the sustainability industry and i feel like First of all, we're looking at the back of muesli bars to see how much sugar there was in them. And then we were starting to look at the different, I don't know, cleaning products that were in our kitchens. But now we also need to be looking at our candles too. It's just so difficult and so tricky for the everyday person who just wants to come home at the end of the day and light a candle and have a nice, relaxing time. So just kind of summarizing from everything that you've said today, if I've got this correctly, Your recommendations are to buy a candle that is made from soy wax and to look for a fragrance which is a blend of synthetic and essential oils. Is that correct? If we just kind of really make it the basics, that's what we should be looking for in a candle. 
yes, that's what, uh, for us, that's what we have sort of standardised as our principles in being able to deliver candles in the most sustainable and healthy way for consumers. No, it is absolutely amazing. And just one other thing that I wanted to touch on today is the name Candle Exchange suggests swapping and refilling people's old candle canisters, which you kind of touched on as well at the start of this episode. But it's something that's so simple. So pretty much what you do as an organization is once somebody has finished burning their candle exchange candle, then they can bring it in and then have that refilled and get 30% off the purchase of a new candle. It makes so much sense and it is so simple, but I just feel like it's not something that we often think about. So how did this idea come about and what has been the community response to candle exchange? Yeah, so the community response has been fantastic and it's a very unique model in regards to being able to swap it on the spot for another candle with 30% off. And the way that that came about is a lot around consumer behaviour and consumer feedback. So we had a, a retail store just in Balgala on the Northern Beaches and I wanted to bring candles into our mix of products to sell. So I reached out, looked at some wholesalers and then being the creative person that I am, decided, well, how hard would it be to make our own candles? And so I set about learning to make candles and then, but parallel to that, I was also doing a master's in the circular economy. And so when we released, uh, launched the candles, people would come in and then the constant feedback about having all these old candle containers sitting around their house that they didn't know what to do with. They didn't want to put them in the bin. But at the end of the day, they ended up having to put them in the bin because they were just creating clutter. And so sort of putting together the circular economy with this consumer problem, then it became very, very obvious that candles could be a perfect example of the circular economy in motion and would be a win-win for the environment and for the customer. So to be able to create candles, someone buys it, takes it home, enjoys it. When they finish, they bring it back and they swap it for another one at 30% off. For us, it's uh, great because we can reuse all of those containers and nothing ends up in landfill. Uh, But for the consumer, it also becomes a lot more attractive from a price perspective. I think you've really raised an interesting point there about circularity and about the circular economy. Why Can you also touch on kind of some of these principles and how you're applying them to candle exchange? I suppose the only thing from a, because I am a huge advocate for the circular economy, I think the point is, and I was listening to your recycling podcast just the other day, and the challenges that we're facing with recycling and the challenges that we'll continue to face with recycling is around the reuse. So, you know, reuse is the number one principle in the circular economy is how do you keep resources in use for the longest period of time? And then when you have reused that product where it does eventually have to go to end of use, that's when recycling kicks in. We have a real psyche in Australia that recycling is the silver bullet but nowhere around the world is recycling being the silver bullet nor is it designed to be a silver bullet 
There is, a, you know, a behaviour that once we put it into the bins, you know, out our front door, that that's great. It's going to go off and it's going to do the right thing and be recycled. But that, that unfortunately isn't the case and it's not designed to be the case. It is designed for, you know, being able to reuse a product for as long as possible until we get to end of use and then it can go on to be recycled. And that's where I think we need to start to do a lot of education and information sharing around that space. I think it's a really great point that you're raising there because I don't know why in Australia we love recycling as much as we do. It is one of these things that I think about constantly and I try and find the source of this great deep love affair that we have with it to try and figure out how we can encourage people to more fall in love with reuse. Because as you just said, then it's about those keeping those resources that we've already spent to create this amazing glass canister in use over and over and over again. I think there was an awful statistic that I read the other day about kind of plastic. The average lifespan of a piece of plastic is something like three months and yeah. that's looking at a long lifespan. That's looking looking at single-use plastics. So it's kind of going, well, how can we change this narrative to ultimately really make an impact and a difference? I totally agree with you. And I think it's in relation to just an evolution of consumer behaviour. You know, we have moved to recycling and recycling doesn't take too much of a behaviour change. And so that's why we have adopted it in the way that we have. However, now we have to move to the next evolution to be able to communicate that recycling is only fit for purpose when a a product has become end of life. But end of life means a lot longer than what we're currently using products today. And that's what we need to start to educate people now on. I think you've raised a really interesting point there about the circular economy. And it is something that we really do need to be discussing more. So, Hayley, I just wanted to finish this episode with one big juicy question, and that is what is one actionable thing that our audience can do tomorrow to help save our planet? Sure. So I think the answer to that, there's multiple answers to that, but um, I think the listeners need to understand that um, purpose-driven sustainable brands can only survive Um, if they have a supporting consumer base uh, to them. So my advice is to just research which um, uh, companies are, you know, trying to do the right thing um, and are solving these problems and, you know, show your support to those companies. And the more that we do that, then the more that the bigger fellows will have to come on board um, as these little guys are being supported for doing the right thing. You make it sound so simple and so easy, but it would make such a massive impact and a massive difference because all of these small businesses and these great sustainable, like purpose-driven businesses are going the extra mile, but they do need to be supported and we do need to start seeing these changes happening. And they are happening, which is really great to see. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and thank you for all of the work that you are doing. (laughs) 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.